0: Irreverent, entertaining, cool. You're
1: listening to LA Talk Radio.
0: You're listening to The Horse Ownership Experience with Billy Koch and Michelle Yu, right here on LA Talk Radio.
2: Is brought to you by Tailor Made Stallions and Tailor Made and California Chrome. What a monster racehorse he was, and his yearlings uh, sold very well at the recent sales. I'm looking forward to seeing them next year's two year olds. Call Travis White, 859 885 3345 for more information about California Chrome or any of the other Tailor Made Stallions, Midnight Storm michelle wish Not This Time, etc. A uh, great group over there. And if you, ha- if you have any also breeding questions or anything like that, call Travis. He's amazing. He'll help you out. 859-885-3345. It is Tuesday, October 15th. This is the Horse Ownership Experience. I'm Billy Koch, founder, managing partner of Little Red Feather Racing Club. Alongside of me, as always, is the great and talented Michelle Yu. Michelle, how are you today?
1: I'm doing super good. Thanks for asking, Billy.
2: How was your weekend? Uh, good. Yeah, good. Had yeah. some pick some winners out there.
1: Uh, yeah, I have a lot of winners like this meet. I'm just really shitty in ticket construction.
2: Okay, well, maybe we can work on that.
1: Yeah, <laughs> that is like what I definitely need to work on okay. is my ticket.
2: ticket construction. We should have a ticket construction day on the horse ownership experience, like
1: a hand, like a seminar.
2: Yeah, we should ticket construction. Because here's my problem: I'm very, I'm, I think I'm like you. I can. Tell you who's going to win the race, but I at the end of the day I won't make any money. I'm I'm poor money management.
1: Oh, so I'm not poor. I just I just like chuck like i would like okay, the favorite could win, but I really like this horse. I'm just gonna chuck out the favorite, but then I don't structure it the right way around doing that, okay. or I try to do it too many times, or right, I don't know. We'll I just don't do great.
2: Um, I have a uh, we have a great show by the way. Bradley Weisberg is going to join us. He has been on our our show before, probably two years ago or three years ago they have uh i think 300 horses that are going to be in the breeders cup <laughs> um in various partnerships bradley's a great guy he is uh he's very knowledgeable very enthusiastic and uh he runs elite sales as well as his own uh bloodstock company so we'll, we'll talk to bradley and we're going to talk breeders cup and all of his uh horses that are going there and then uh, going many of them are going the next night to be sold or, or a couple nights later to be sold at facing tipped in November. Which yeah. Is and they a, are,
1: you know, they are, they are the leading consigner of racehorse and broodmare prospects. Um, so I think it's, I really want to hear from him about like what it kind of means to be a consigner for something like that. Because a lot of times when we're talking consigners, we're talking about the yearling sales and, you know, in, in a, a perfect world. That means the person that's consigning them would have have had them and, you know, prepped them and everything. And in this instance, obviously, these are racehorses coming from barns that have raced maybe a day before and coming into here. So I do want to hear all about that.
2: We will find out from Bradley Weisbord in about uh, 10 minutes. Michelle, I want to start off with a couple of things. Um, I just was talking to you off the air. I just read the news on the DRF uh, uh, form site that was reported by Brad Free that the Enable will not come to the Breeders' Cup this year. But she may Uh, race next year. I know. I'm trying to depress myself. Um, So anyway, that's bad news. Um, I also have to tell you a quick story about my friend George Scott, who is one of our partners in in Little Red Feather. And I got a text the other day, and he said, you rode um, uh, Tona Gold? Gold?" And I was like, yeah. I was like, oh, you listening to the podcast now? And he's like, yes. He goes, that's incredible. That was my favorite horse. So it's so funny that there's so many – not only – people actually downloading the podcast, but listen, uh, lovers of Kona gold. So that was, I thought that was pretty neat. Anyway, Um, what's, uh, we, we are 17 days away from breeders cup. It seems like the whole world is now talking about breeders cup and that's basically all we're thinking about, but there were some good races over the weekend. So why don't we get caught up on those and then we'll bring Bradley on.
1: Um, before, can I ask a question real quick? The other news that I saw, uh, was that Johnny V is going to ride secret spice.
2: Yes. Yes, uh, we got together with uh, Bradley, who is uh, he brought Bobby Flay into our partnership, and Bobby Flay purchased fifty uh, percent of Secret Spice before the race in Delmar, the Clement Hirsch, and uh, we were got together with Bradley and Bobby and uh, Richie Baltus, and made the decision that uh, Johnny V uh, is the right guy to pilot Secret Spice in the distaff.
1: Um, so was that something that they brought up? Was that something that like, Bobby called and was like, "Yo"? Let's talk about this, or
2: I think after um, we when we started talking about which race to run in, um, either the uh, mare sprint or the distaff, and it's, mm-hmm. it's basically looks like the distaff, although we will pre-enter. Um, we started talking about different jockeys because we knew Pratt had a mount in the sprint already. So um, we started talking about different jockeys with, and we do things as a team. And I think that's the best way to do it. And we talk about the pluses and minuses. And Pratt, you know, had ridden spice um, to her big win last year in the allowance race. And then the last two races, she was heavily favored and got beat by a nose in, in the uh, Clement Hirsch and then by a length and a quarter in the Zenyatta. And we just thought, listen, when, when it's time for the biggest race around, you want the best possible rider i'm not saying that johnny v is better than flavian pratt or flavian pratt i'm just saying that johnny v has won 16 breeders cup races and his breeders cup mounts have earned more than 27.1 million Uh, those totals i'm just reading here rank second behind mike smith's breeders cup totals of 26 wins and 35.9 million so if you have a chance to get a guy like johnny v um you got to get him and that's just that's just the bottom line fair enough yeah I mean, um, I, what do you think?
1: Yeah, no, I, I was just wondering what went into that decision. And, you know, because a lot of times uh, I, I figured Johnny V had been coming out to ride for you all a lot. Right. So, you yeah. know, it wasn't completely out of left field. But, no, you know, Richie's Flavian is a really like a lot of times you see some of the smaller riders getting replaced. And, you know, to, to replace Flavian, I just I wanted to know the thought process behind it. That was all. There
2: you go. Well, there you have it. And Johnny V Excellent. will ride uh, Succeed and Surprise in the Twilight Derby on the Breeders Cup undercard. Very cool. And we have Mike Smith on Mirth in the Breeders Cup. So we have Mike Smith and Johnny V. I mean, that's pretty nice. Cool. It's
1: not too shabby of a of a dance card.
2: No, it's going to be. A, it, you know what? It's going to be a lot of fun, Michelle. And I don't know if we talked about this last week, but when, it it is, I have to tell you, I just wrote an email to the partners and just about the achievement of getting there. And obviously we still have 17 days to go, but to just to get to the breeders cup is so hard. You have to have, everything just has to go right. And it doesn't matter if you get to the breeders cup and you're the two to one favorite or you're 40 to one, just being there and being in that race and having a shot is really what this game is all about. And Mm -hmm. you know, these horses you'll see, and we'll, we'll talk about them as we get closer can come from anywhere. I mean, mirth is a Pennsylvania bread that we bought privately um, last year. Um, you know, Secret Spice was a $125,000 two-year-old and train purchase. So, right. um we we've talked about it. It's not necessarily spending millions and millions of dollars to get there. You you need a lot of luck, you need a great team, uh, and and everything just has to go right. And I'm just so tickled for our partners to get to experience this this Breeders Cup at Santa Anita. Cool.
1: Yeah. All right, Uh, Race Recaps is where we were about to go. Uh, It was the Knickerbocker, which I think is only really worth talking about because um, Catholic Boy didn't win it.
2: (laughs) Uh (laughs) (laughs) Uh-oh. What
1: happened, Michelle? That's your guy. I know, Catholic Boy. What are you doing? Uh, Luke Cullen was the winner there for Kieran McLaughlin and Godolphin. Yeah, they do all right. They do all right. Yeah. Uh, the stands point went to new and improved. The QE2 was Cambier Park for Larry Best, uh, Oxo Equine, and Chad Brown. She's won back-to-back ones now, and um,
2: yeah, makes makes her win in the Delmar Oaks and the horses that finished behind them uh, look a little better, doesn't it?
1: Yeah, I mean, that, this was when you you know take a look at the field. I don't necessarily know if it was our strongest QE2.
2: Um, right, but, but let me tell you something yeah. if if you like that race, you're going to have you're going to really like a race at San Anita on the 26th of October, which is called the Autumn Miss, which is the last straight three year old stake of the year. It's a grade three, mm. it's in a mile. And the second-place finisher, Hidden Message, is supposed to run in there. The fourth-place finisher, uh, Keeper of the Stars, is supposed to run in there. Raymundo Secret, who finished eighth in the Oaks, is going to run in there. It's going to be a really, really good race on October 26th at Santa Anita. And all those Phillies lost to Cambier Park in the Delmar Oaks. Nice.
1: I like it. Rematch for runner-up. Yep. Um, the Pattinson International went to Desert Encounter, who... If you have time, go back and watch this race because the gates opened, the field left, and then he left. I mean, he was like three strides behind out of the gate and he won the race. Okay, Desert so that Encounter. was pretty impressive.
2: All right. Very cool. We'll have to watch that race.
1: Uh, the great one, E.P. Taylor went to Starship Jubilee, which I did not watch any of the Canadian races except for Desert Encounter. Um, but that was Kevin Atard for Blue Heaven Farm.
2: There's a great story behind her too, and you should read about that if you want. Yeah. Um... I think she was uh, either a very expensive, inexpensive purchase or a claim back in the day. I can't remember, but uh, Starship Jubilee, congratulations. And they're talking about possibly bringing her right back in the Breeders' Cup Philly and Mare Turf.
1: Mm, Cool. Um, The Buffalo Trace went to Alexandra, who is a daughter of Animal Kingdom, who it was just announced has been sold to Japan to go stand and so that was a good timing anytime a stallion ends up leaving of course right before or right after you're going to have a horse jump up and win a stake right of course uh, sweet Melania won the jessamine giving american pharaoh another stakes win on the grass she was
2: very impressive look for her in the breeder's cup juvenile uh Philly's turf
1: and then uh we had some Calbred stakes i hear the cal distaff what did you think of that race
2: uh, Which one are we talking about? The one on the turf with uh, Just Graze Me? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I talked to Nick Alexander actually this morning. Talked to Nick and he was so happy that, that, that Philly had had some issues and came back and has come back like a running, just a machine. I know Jessica Pfeiffer who uh, is Phil D'Amato's uh, daughter uh, rides her loves her and was crying after the race it was a very big effort from just graze me and congratulations to nick alexander and team damato who continues to dominate the turf here in southern california
1: and we had uh the Anokia, where leo lee um crushed absolutely crushed so she didn't run great on debut at ellis and they dropped her in for a sixty-two thousand five hundred dollar tag at delmar and she won by like 11 and then they tried her in the chandelier uh and she got crushed and then they put her back in i'm sorry not in the chandelier in the debutante she got crushed and then they brought her back in the chandelier at Santa anita and she lost the jock and uh tried to take out a photographer or two on the outside
2: rail that was amazing
1: um and so they put her back in here and all systems were go out of the gate and she just just annihilated the field i did ask the ownership group you know It's a little close, but are you thinking maybe Breeders' Cup? And he's like, I would be inclined to say no, but it's Pete Miller, so I can't really rule it out.
2: There you go. And there you go. Yeah, it was funny. It wasn't funny, but it was amazing watching when she was headed right towards the photographer well. Yeah. Um, Thankfully, no one was injured in that race. Uh, But, yeah, very nice Philly. Fast. I actually called uh, Phil D'Amato to claim that Philly the second time out, and he said no. Oh, really? Yep. That's funny. Well, Sometimes you're right. Sometimes you're
1: sometimes right. You're, yeah, you can hang that over his head for a little while yeah, anyways.
2: Yeah. So let me, um, I'm going to tell Ronan to get Bradley on the line because I think okay. we're almost done with the race recaps. And Ronan, if you can hear us, uh, let's grab Bradley Weissboard. We'll bring him on for the second time ever at, on the show. We haven't had a lot of people on the show twice. I think it's Costa. Redham. Redem, And now Bradley. I mean, he's pretty exclusive company. <clears throat> I see, I see Ronan dialing is uh see if this actually works today
1: and you are letting him uh consign spice perfection
2: no secret spice we don't own spice perfection
0: hello that's right there's
2: bradley weisberg hi buddy
0: what's up guys
2: welcome to the horse ownership experience it's uh billy and obviously michelle Yu, who you know very well we were just uh singing your praises we said you have um 326 horses running in the breeder's cup we're very excited for you um (laughs) It was a joke, obviously you didn't you didn't think it was that funny.
1: I, I got the joke.
2: Okay. Um, <laughs> he was
1: like actually a 361. Billy, get it right. Yeah,
2: exactly. Hey, let let's let's start because we're gonna go. I want to go through all the Breeders' Cup horses, but there's. You know, first of all, let me just say to the people listening who don't know Bradley, I have now worked with him fairly closely for the past four or five months. He is a joy to work with. And I don't I'm not just saying this because we're on the on our podcast. He is very extremely professional, knowledgeable and and is is also fun to work with. Um, So that's the compliment. The the interesting thing about what you do, especially with guys like Saul Kuman and others is you, you buy a lot of horses privately and you buy pieces of them. And there are those out there that, that frown upon this business practice. Um, what do you say to those people?
0: Listen, our, our business has a lot of different angles to it. Um, clearly, Sal's a model that he's been extremely successful with has been uh, buying piece of horses. That being said, he had Lady Eli, who he owned 100% of. Uh, he was the majority owner for Monomoy White Girl. And he supported the business buying yearlings, two-year-olds, both on race, as well as two-year-old in training sales and, and horses in training. So um, now we have other clients, like in the case of your partner, uh, Bobby Flay, who would buy half of a horse with Little Red Feather in, in Secret Spice. And then we have uh, clients that have done everything from a uh, horse like Oni, which is import a European horse over and she's headed to the Breeders' Cup mile. To Midnight a uh, domestic purchase after the Kentucky Oaks, we valued her and we bought in. And since then, she's seven for seven this year, champion elect, and uh, most likely is is it hopefully is our best shot at winning the Breeders' Cup. Beers. So I don't think you look at any of this as a negative. Sal supported the game in buying Eight Rings. Uh, he, he owns 20% of Eight Rings, who's who's one of the favorites of the Breeders' Cup Juvenile, is an unproven you know, yearling at the, at the Keeneland September sale. Sure. So we support the game at every turn at every angle with obviously a large amount of clients. And we're just very fortunate to have this many horses healthy at the end of the season. I think the one thing people don't, most people don't realize is how tough it is to start in January, February, March and stay healthy, especially in dirt racing throughout the season and Touchwood, a horse like midnight beast. So started very on in, in 2019. And is, still kicking with their best game. And Secret Spice, your horse, Billy, same sort of thing. The mare's gone all year and looks to be peaking coming into the Breeders' Cups. So it's an, it's an exciting time of the year for, us, for all of us.
2: Yeah, it's very interesting. And, and you talk about Saul, and you talk about Bobby, and you have uh, Michael Dubb, and you, I'm sure there are many others that I'm not mentioning right now. When a horse comes up, Bradley, how do you decide – hey, who do I go to with this horse? And is there ever an instance where you get someone, they're like, hey, why didn't you call me?
0: Oh, what a tough question. You had to ask I'm you sorry. A
2: tough
0: <laughs> <question>. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm <laughs> yeah, sorry. I think, I think you're just looking for all the clients to just call you instead of me. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's what I, that's what's uh, happening. No, it, listen, it's, it's not easy. Uh, it, it's, uh, I guess, what people say, today's tax day, so... Um, everybody complains about taxes, but nobody should be complaining about taxes. If you're paying a lot of taxes, you're making a lot of money. Sure. Same sort of thing here. Obviously when we win races and certain clients see that they're not in the the specific course that won, they could say, why didn't that get offered to me? What I would like to say is that um, Sal specifically has been the biggest supporter of our business since 2015 when we kind of hooked up. So there's no question Um, He's going to really see a lot of these private deals before most. That being said, he doesn't do everyone. And I know what kind of what he likes. Now, let's take the case of Shecky Shabazz. Uh, That's a case of a horse that's pointing to the Breeders' Cup turf sprint. That horse won for a claiming tag of 25,000. Michael Dubb was second in the race. Uh, Mike and I spoke and he said, what about the winner? And we bought the horse for under a hundred thousand and Michael took the lead and with Saul, they partnered on the horse. And that's a horse that could be running in the breeders cup that we paid under a hundred thousand for in the case of secret spice with you, Billy, Bobby loves grade one, dirt fillies yep. uh, This one really had his name written all over it. He doesn't want less than 50% of a horse. You guys were willing to sell 50%. You're fun guys. He's a fun guy. And it just made a, a like-minded partnership. It's not easy, and I don't have a specific great answer for you in terms of keeping everybody happy. You can't be everything to everyone, and we do our best for our specific clients to put them in a position to win race for their program.
1: Brad, how many races do you watch a day?
0: On Monday and Tuesday, very little. From Wednesday to Sunday, all day at the major racetracks. Um, we're, We're looking for talent. We're bidding on horses every day. And, right. You know, right now Liz is over at Tattersall's, my partner, and um, we put together a new BSW Euro venture. and We bought eight yearlings to bring back to America. It's, we need a big team. We got Caitlin in Kentucky working on our sales draft, uh, which is we're going to sell forty or fifty horses in November. So we kind of all spread out, and I'm I'm really focused on the private side and buying horses uh, for our clients that have that have currently run. Right,
2: but you. Yeah, go when ahead.
1: When you're Michelle. watching the races, what do you look for? Because it's obviously not just a winner. You know what I mean. Like everyone looks at the winner. So what else? What else intrigues you enough to decide? I think I want to try and buy this horse.
0: We look for a stake source first. But we're not looking generally at the claiming races now. In the case of Sheki Shabaz, it just happened to be we were in uh, Saratoga. Jose Ortiz, one of my very good friends, rode the horse. I knew a little bit about him because he was riding for his brother-in-law in Adam Rice. And that was like a one-off situation that we would buy a claiming horse. Mm -hmm. But generally, we're looking for stakes horses. Those horses are found for matings, allowances, and stakes races. And it doesn't matter if it's colts or fillies, two, three, four, or even five-year-olds. We're just looking for stakes horses. So I'm looking for a horse that, for what it's running against, it really impresses my eye. And then from there, we'll go... And look at speed figures we'll talk to trainers we'll talk to the jockeys that rode the horses we'll look at owners that generally will sell um obviously if it's owned by colmore Gadolphin, it's a waste of time um so you're we're looking for all that and we'll chase up probably 10 12 horses a week and we might not even buy one or let's just say we would buy one on average a week but you gotta chase up 15 or 20 of these things to land one it's very very difficult and i think that's The one thing that people think, wow, it's so easy. You just buy them after they win or you buy them after they run the stake. Well, you go try doing that. I think it's a lot easier going to the sales and raising your hand and just outbidding everybody else Mm -hmm. than it is necessarily getting a deal done for a horse that looked good. Because remember, we're usually not buying hidden horses. It didn't run a seventh beaten six. Uh, That's not the horses that we're targeting. So generally it's extremely hard buy these horses to get the seller to sell for what you want to buy it for so i think it's hard and i think it flushes a lot of the agents out of the market because it's so frustrating and disappointing to have to make your living that way you got to chase up a lot of deals to get one to land as i said
2: that's great I, i totally agree we do that a lot brad as you know and i agree on all fronts bradley You've also taken your game into the sales ring with Elite Sales, and and obviously you've had uh, immense success already, and we know that um, you have several of the Breeders' Cup horses pointing there. Talk to us a little bit about starting that business and what made you go in that direction.
0: In late 2016, I think uh, we had sold a filly called Last of the Mohicans. We had bought her privately, and we put her in fall to playing her the Nile, and she brought a million dollars in change. And I said, man, uh, this is kind of crazy. We're buying these horses, managing these horses, and we're not getting to sell them. And then I was shopping the horses in training sale that November, just a few days after the later part of the Keeneland book. And I think it was the conquest dispersal. And I went up to some of the uh, consigners selling the horses, and I said, tell me a little bit about this racehorse. Oh, it shipped in three days ago. (laughs) <laughs> and said, so what, what did it do? What, do you have any speed figures? Why did it have this much time off? And talk about who it ran against. And they, multiple consigners, would look at me like I had three heads. <laughs> so I said, this doesn't make sense. You're, you're having these horses with consigners that are used to selling yearlings. We should put together all an encompassing passport or a bunch of information to sell these horses. We can do this better. And then my good friend, Tom Ryan of SF, SF Bloodstock, I was out at dinner with him a few nights after. He said, dude, you should do this. You'll you'll kill it. And then he called me in January and said, did you make a plan to launch a sales company? I said, no, I'm still thinking about it. I don't want to upset anybody in Kentucky. He said, you're being crazy. You, you can dominate this marketplace if you just launch. So we launched in July of seventeen. And I think we've been the leading consigner at every horse and training sale since that includes January, April, this year at Keeneland, November sales. And, uh, it's, it's been an exciting ride. And honestly, it's been pretty easy. Um, the hard part is buying these horses privately. The easy part is explaining to people what we did or what we do or what these horses are. And it's really been a natural progression of expanding our business doesn't take a ton much more time away from our team because we're already at these sales so it's just a matter of showing these horses and promoting year-round and we're excited about the growth and we're very excited about this november
1: so brad the uh, we were talking on uh, before you came on and like in theory a yearling consigner would have the you know yearlings and they would Prep them to get them ready to sale. Obviously, there's some horses that just show up, like you said, the day before, and they put them in their name. But with with all the race horses, what does that leave on your side? Then, Are, do you just want to be super familiar with them, or do you have a certain expectation of them if they're going to come and be sold under your banner?
0: Well, it's two parts. One is there's a pre appraisal that I think is extremely important for the mm. clients that we're selling for. So um seth Klarman, Claravic stables is probably our largest racehorse seller and he would have one of the largest racehorse stables in the business Seth's really really easy to sell for him and chad brown because we give them a pre-sale appraisal of what we think these horses can bring and they may either scratch if they don't agree with what we're what we're saying or it's not enough money for them or they may say you know what we got a bunch of two-year-olds coming in we're happy to sell at these levels and move on so that's a Key part that we do already when we're buying horses, we're valuing them and we're telling the owners what we think they will bring conservatively, sometimes are right, sometimes are wrong, but generally we're very accurate within 10, 15% of what these horses bring, number one. Number two, when the horses then come to the sales grounds, I'm there every time we sell a horse with Liz and Caitlin and Zeke, and I'm telling these buyers, hey, this is what you can do with this horse. Don't think because it came off of Todd Pletcher or Brad Cox or Chad Brown or Bill Mott that you're not going to be successful. These are all going to be Hall of Fame trainers, but you just need to run this horse in this locale. They have better ones in the division, or the owner wanted to sell this one to make money, raise money for his two-year-olds. And in the case of uh, like David Mia specifically, he bought into what we were saying very early on, and I think he's bought five stakes winners off us already led by next shares, you know, a grade one leader that he bought a just for our first draft. So it comes from a pre-sale appraisal. The owner understands you understand the market, then going to the sale, achieving that value, and then hopefully those horses going on and doing well for the next connections. And that's another thing, Billy, you talked about a little bit of conflicts a matter of who I tell which owners do I give horses to. It's a little bit uncomfortable um, between selling a horse for, let's say, 250000 and then it going to a grade one for the new connections. That being said, the only way to have a long-term successful business is if these horses were to go on, run well, and sell well for the new connections.
2: Absolutely. And I've gotten our
0: sellers to buy into that philosophy. And they, this is yeah. not a one-trick pony. You can't worry about how much you're bringing in today. You have to manage your program for the long haul success. You and won- that's very, very important to recognize. And we do
2: when we're selling horses. Yeah. It's, it's it, we're in, obviously in pinnacle as well. And Michelle and I have talked about this many times. You want people to come back again. And if you're con- if you're selling them bad horses, they're not going to come back period. And if they feel that they got a exactly. bad deal or a raw deal, they're not going to come back. You want these people to be successful. Um, all right. We've talked about the sales. We've talked about you. Let's talk breeders cup, Brad, how, how many horses are going? It, it, with the Weissboard elite bsW uh, program,
0: somewhere in the range of fifteen to seventeen horses uh, at the moment, you know, obviously, we're a few weeks out, and you hate to talk about these things too early because it's not the week of the race, and health is gonna be what determines who runs. Sure. But we have fifteen to seventeen horses, Probably sixteen or seventeen will qualify. We're still we're gonna pre-enter seventeen or eighteen horses, and then one or two may be excluded. But it's for sure an exciting time, and we really could have some live chances. Eight rings in the Juvenile will be a top-two choice, along with Dale Roman's Colt. A British Indian who Liz, my partner, bought as a yearling for 40000 will be one of the favorites for the Breeders' Cup Juvenile Phillies Dirt. Uh, you'll have uh, Midnight Biso will be the big favorite for the Distaff. Booney will be very live for the Mile I got to mention your horse Billy Secret Spice, who Bobby owns half of. You know, we'll have an outsider's chance sure. in the distaff. Channel Maker with no enable as she's not coming over for the turf race. If he can sit a trip, he was just uh, most recently second in the in yeah, the Grade man. One Joe Hirsch at Belmont. Yeah. So he'll be one of the chances there. Uh, we're going to supplement two horses, both Oni and Miss J McKay. In the juvenile turf sprint, she's undefeated. She'll be running against the boys. She got DQ'd from her middle race, but won her last very impressively. She'll be one of the fastest on the sheets going in. And then we have some fillers um, Andesite, Comical, uh, Shecky Shabazz, potentially Landis Dog, Pole Front, Mr. Freeze. Uh, I probably left out a couple. Uh, no, here, you've but, done very well. Uh, this is incredible. <laughs> no, it's incredible.
2: I mean, by the I'm way. Not, I'm bu- not
0: looking at the list no, here, so before, you called me a little up. No, before, but I think I mentioned most.
2: Yeah, before you came on, Michelle and I were just saying how incredible it is just to get there with one horse um and how you need to be lucky. You need to have everything break right. You need to stay healthy. Uh, there's so many, and you need a good team. Obviously, you've put together a good team. Is there. Uh, let's take out the distaff. Forget about Midnight Bisou and Secret Spice. Is there a horse that you're specifically rooting for that you have a little bit of a of a of a love interest with?
0: Ooh, tough question. Um, I would say either British Inium or Uni. British Inium, because I know how important that is to Liz's career and to everybody that knocks us for our operation buying proven horses. This was a $40,000 yearling in front of everybody's face, a Amazing. public auction. Right. And this is the second time she's been able to do this on top of Monomoy Girl. Yes. And it's for our biggest clients. These are clients that we run their stables in terms of Stewart Grants, the Elkstone Group, and Sal Cuman's Maddox Stables. Michael Dubb, who's been our biggest seller the last couple of years. And then Oni for Bob Lapenna. Who I syndicated Catholic Boy for, and again, Sol and Mike. That was Nick de my partner in France, Town. So I would probably say those two darlings. That being said, Midnight Beast has been a special ride for us this year. I've gotten close with Jeff Bloom. We're selling her in November. She'd be as good of a prospect as we've ever gotten to sell. Obviously, Tepin set a record for the most expensive in info broodmare, but. Midnight Biso is a special kind because we've never had a four-year-old in the prime of her race career when everybody says five-year-old is the best year for a racehorse. With that opportunity, I mean, she should light that place on fire. So right. I would say probably Midnight Biso, just the neck in front of the two I gave you, and Oni and British Idiom, But it's going to be an exciting two days for off-haul. And Maybe. you And know, answering your first part, Billy, about easy or hard, how hard this is, um, the, our clients are the gamest people in the sport, and they deserve all the credit for assembling this lineup. You know, they're giving us the weapons. We're just pulling the trigger. And if they don't spend, we're not there. So without those guys, um, Sol, Mike Dobb, Bob LaPena, Bobby Flay, SF is our partner, Stuart Grant, Eric Johnson, uh, Wonder Stables, on and on and on. Um, They're the guys that deserve all the credit for getting them.
2: uh, Michelle, let me ask one quick Bisou question. Um, I I was talking to Jeff Bloom a little while ago, and we talked Classic versus Distaff, and obviously she has a real chance to be Horse of the Year. Uh, Was there discussions of possibly running her in the Classic against the boys rather than the Distaff?
0: Between Jeff and I, no. I've read a little bit about it that there was, you know, it, it creeped in his head, I guess, when when uh, the media said something. But, no, um, there's never been a discussion. I, personally, we, we we own a minority interest in the horse. Jeff manages his horse. He's done a brilliant job from day one, um, from when we got involved. But even uh, getting her through from the Kentucky Oaks, getting defeated to making her a champion this year, every. Everything he's done has been perfect, but no, we've never had a discussion okay. about running her in the classic and hopefully she can cap an eight for eight season and be in the conversation for the course of the year.
1: Brad talking about selling her at the sales. And like you said, this is kind of a rare opportunity because she is in the prime of her career. Do you have a gut feeling either way? Do you think she'll be bought and raced, or do you think she's headed off to the shed?
0: For sure. Bought and raised. I mean, how she'd be the best, racehorse in the prime of her career to come on market since Royal Delta. Uh they bought uh Besselou bought Royal Delta and that was his best purchase in the game. I mean he mm-hmm. had two championship seasons and you know he he took she took him around the world. So mm-hmm. how can you buy a Philly like Midnight Biso in the prime of her career and retire? I mean I, I right. wouldn't even understand that mindset assuming that she came out of the race healthy, performed as she has, and vetted clean which there's no reason to think that she won't. I think she's a prime prospect for somebody to go around the world. You can go to Saudi for 20 million. You can go back to the Breeders' Cup in Kentucky next year. She's won at nine different racetracks. The racetrack doesn't matter. The distance doesn't matter. So, no, I I see no scenario that she would be retired, assuming she's healthy. And just look at today, uh, Khalid Abdullah announcing Naples going to take revenge and go for an arc next year and stay Mm -hmm. in training. I think the, the trend is leaning towards owners wanting to run their horses at least through their five-year-old season and even into their six-year-old season, as there is with Enable or our clients with Uni. Mike Dubb did it with Four Star Crook, and she won the grade one flower bowl in her six-year-old season, her first grade one. Um, I don't see any scenario, assuming health, that Midnight Mesa wouldn't stay in training
1: you next know, Oh, I love that! Yeah, that it's it's makes me news. so happy. <laughs> hey, and,
2: and Brad, you you said that trend, but yet we see this trend on the other side because the horses you just mentioned were all fillies and mares. The trend on the other side, where we get our stars, whether it's uh, American Pharaoh or Justify, they seem to all be going to the breeders uh, to the breeding shed quickly. Um, what is that? Just
0: because of their perceived value? Well, I think it's perceived value and the residual value could plummet. So, in the case of Midnight Bisou, if you were to run her next year, and for some way, somehow, she didn't give it to you, and she lost two or three races in a row, which she's never done in her whole career, but let's say that happens. Her residual value wouldn't take a large fall. She's champion, she's won five great ones, people are going to still respect her as a broodmare. In the case of a stallion, if you were to buy that stallion for a lot of money and race it and lose three or four times, the market in Kentucky's a lot uh, harsher on you if you were to lose a couple races. And I think that that fact alone forces horses into early retirement. As you look at American Fair or Justifying, I wasn't too familiar with the injuries they had. But I think there was tremendous amount of risk to run these horses as older horses. And in the case of Justify, clearly he was hurt. In the case of American Pharaoh, he won the Classic in style and then was sent to stud. I don't blame the stud masters for doing that. But that's squarely, they're doing that because they don't want to lose the residual value. There's too much risk at hand. And I think there's a lot less with the mares once they've established record form in the case of sister charlie look at her i wouldn't be surprised if peter brandt brought her back next year to run because it's unlikely she ever comes to public auction he wants to enjoy his racehorse there's not much value lost by running her so you know let her run and that's why i think that is billy
2: it it makes a lot of sense thank you very much Uh, michelle i'm i'm good i i'm this is i could talk to bradley all day and i usually do so um Bradley, one last question. This is going to be the hardest question I asked. This is it. Okay, it's the Breeders' Cup distaff, and Secret Spice uh, gets a great trip and opens up a two length lead in the stretch, and Midnight Bisu starts coming at her. And you're standing eight feet away from me, hopefully.
0: What are we doing? I'm screaming, Dead Heat! (laughs) Dead Heat! (laughs) um, Listen. it's it's horse racing. Anything can happen. We've run four horses in the Kentucky Derby. We've run multiple horses in lots of grade ones. I like to watch the races away from owners, so I won't be standing eight feet from you, maybe 28 <laughs> feet, but I won't be watching the race with Jeff Bloom either. I think he likes to watch the races by himself, too. Both are great mares, and in the case of Secret Spice, she's ahead and a half a length away from being in that championship run with Midnight Be so I'm not saying... Uh, defeating her, but she's, you know, a head and a neck away from being on the ballot. She's had a great year for you guys, and another four-year-old with a chance to give somebody a great racing career next year if you decide to sell her at Phasikip Tipton Night of the Stars, so yeah. we're just excited to be involved there, and
2: I got to thank you for that. No, uh, it it's been a great run. It's been a lot of fun, and we're looking forward to uh, seeing you at a Breeders' Cup uh, week. I'm sure we'll catch up to you at San Anita. Thank you for taking the time today. I, I promised you 15 minutes, and we went for about you know a half hour. So uh, we appreciate your time, and you're always a great guest. So, see you in a couple Thanks, weeks. Thanks, so.
0: Thanks, Billy. Have a great thank day. Thank you so much, Brad.
2: All right, Brad. Bradley Weissboard uh, Elite BSW Bloodstock. And just like I told you, Michelle, he gets it.
1: Can I just say he's like one of my favorite guests to have on because he's so eloquent with the way he speaks. And like even when he was just explaining some of the things and you could tell he had like watered it down for the general public and not using, you know, total horse racing lingo. But it was so smooth and you know obviously we don't like rehearse questions or anything and no. even when he's like oh yeah that's a tough one he came right out with like a solid spot on answer he needs to like run for president
2: well you know michelle he again <laughs> i think he gets you know when i i asked the question i did because i knew he'd have the right answer um mm-hmm. and i i didn't mean to put him on the spot but it is when you see him from afar you can get a I understand why people get that that sour taste oh this guy's just coming in and paying a premium and spending all the money and you know he's buying into all the the good horses right but when you hear him talk and understand the perspective that he brings to the table you gain a, a much different view and, and and you have much greater respect I didn't know Bradley at all until a couple of weeks years ago and we have very different personalities but we get yeah, along you know,
1: Brad, Brad hated me for a while I remember the first time he did this show I didn't even think he'd come on because it was with me
2: yeah but but once you get a chance to know him and especially once you get a chance to work with him as we have there is a whole new level of respect he gets it he understands the game he's able to price horses he's very easy to deal with and it's it's been it's been a great experience and and I so appreciate him coming on today and I'm glad everybody out there got a chance to kind of listen to these Mm -hmm. really interesting topics about sales and mares versus stallions. Well, and I think it's
1: so important what he said, too, like when he's talking about their consignment at some of the horses of racing age sale, they're not just like, oh, yeah, here's Secret Spice. She's a grade one winner. Thumbs up. Like telling you what you could do with this horse. This is where you need to place the horse, like really giving the buyer some introspective because, um, you know, we don't have a lot of horses of racing age sales in the quarter horse business. So when we were first talking about, you know, some of them, Ryan's like, well, they're just getting rid of these horses. I'm like, no, 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 it's not like that. It's not like they're dropping a horse for a cheap claiming tag. Right. Like also,
2: also it's always, no matter when you buy a horse, it's buyer beware. It's your job. It's your job to vet the horse, scan the horse, do whatever Mm -hmm. else you need to do. So if you think the horse is sound and you think that the horse has a great pattern or whatever you do, you can buy these horses. I think he's absolutely right. I would not run away from their consignment or any consignment that you trust the people who are running it. Mm-hmm. The, the the we do pin hooking Michelle. I can't tell you. Uh, we sold Instilled Regard, who ran fourth in the Kentucky Derby and is is about to come back. I read he's coming back, and he's. I think he, uh, Chad Brown and Oxo have turned him into a really really nice turf horse. Um, and I, and. It, it it helps your business. You cannot just go out and sell bad horses. If you do, right. no one will buy from you. And that's right. the bottom line. Anyway. Anyway. I'm Would you buy a Midnight right Bisu? I don't think I could afford Midnight Bisu. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Wouldn't that be amazing?
2: Um, you know, it's funny when he was talking about it, I was thinking to myself, how, A, how, how much I should you go? I wanted to grow? ask him,
1: what, what's, what's going to be your conservative estimate to well, Jeff? I wanted be... to ask him, but I didn't want to put him on the spot because it, he did like he was full in yeah. about like, yeah. she's a resource. It
2: was it was many, many. It's going to be many, many millions. I, I'm curious. You know, one of the things I was going to ask, too, and I think he has to think about is how many people out there can actually buy her. So he's actually dealing with a very small segment of the racing population unless people stick to and this trend of getting have- together and and teaming up and, hey, you buy a quarter, we'll buy a quarter, you buy 20. You know, um, just because she is going to be uh, – she, she's going to top the sale in, unless there's a horse I don't know about coming in.
1: Well, we have to remember, too, when you're talking about um, her residual – broodmare value she is not fancy bread
2: yeah but that's so yeah but we she, have
1: to, you, know, you have to kind of like keep that in mind too if someone's looking to buy her they don't necessarily i don't want to say they don't right. want her I'm, as a broodmare but i'm thinking
2: of when you yeah when you when you go to these kind of things you look at three things um obviously pedigree um race record and um and physical
0: mm-hmm.
2: right and the, the so you as a buyer have to decide which is the most important to you, and I, I believe I haven't seen Midnight Bisou up close and personal in a while, but I believe she's an excellent physical. She's a beautiful filly. Um, that's just just from seeing her on TV. I have not seen like as, as I've said I haven't seen her lately. Uh, so when you put all those things together, that's when you get the big, 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 big bucks. Uh, mm-hmm. And it's it's going to be interesting and it's going to be fun. And I think it's it's it's. it's He's in a lot of different parts of the game and that keeps you on your toes. And I think it's a, a very positive uh, outlook for his company.
1: So I'm reading the um, passport that elite has for her. That's what they call like a little, like a prospectus almost on yeah. their consigning or their consigned horses. And it has like uh, that walks you through their race record, like points out horses they've beat and like gives you some stats. So one of their stats is that midnight Bizu has run four negative thoroughgraph numbers in her career as it is more than any of the below Phillies and mares did in their careers, and that includes Songbird, Stellar Wind, and Abel Tasman, who sold for nine, six, and five million dollars, respectively.
2: Well, there, there's your ballpark. You just nailed it, uh, Bradley. Thank you again for coming on the show. Uh, All yeah, right, Michelle. What do we have coming up? Because we only have about three minutes.
1: Um, Okay, so coming up this weekend, obviously there's no racing on Thursday because we had Monday racing. So Friday is when the race week kicks off. Don't forget it's $2 beer Fridays. On Saturday, it is the Santa Anita Wine and Spirits Dinner Series. Also, the Pumpkin Patch and Fall Fest does uh, kick off in the infield. So if you've got some kids, bring them on by. It's the California Flag Handicap. Um and then Sunday is the pumpkin patch again and the sunny slope steaks. Is that a new steak? I don't even know what that steak that is.
2: No, we we've had the sunny slope before. Really? Yeah. I yeah. don't recall it. I think it's I think it's uh is it two
1: year olds? Two year olds going yeah. six and a half.
2: Yeah. It's a two year old. it's the it's the same race that we just had for Colts that we just ran for Phillies that Lucadia Luke, Luc Luke, 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 I can't Lucothio uh was victorious in. Oh, okay michelle all that right. was a great show uh um, yeah thank and you good very call much
1: bringing on brad and amazing job by good, brad good
2: luck to uh mr Weisberg with all of his breeders cup horses uh thanks to tailor-made stallions thank you to delmar and santa anita who helped put on the show uh, if you have any questions about anything please tweet us at own a horse at the michelle U at bklrf uh email me billy at littleredfeather.com if you have any horse ownership related questions we're very excited about the breeders cup we have two more shows before the breeders cup michelle
1: and i i by the way we did put up a poll oh yeah and the, the poll did say they wanted us just to talk breeders cup but billy felt like it. we were a little ill prepared to do so since they don't even have pre-entries well yeah
2: we don't have pre-entries so i think it's really tough i think next tuesday michelle let's let's do what we talked about and let's go through the pre-entries we can talk about just a couple of specific races we'll have the pps probably by the time we do the show next tuesday maybe we can bring on one of our handicapper friends to really go through it with us and then i'm thinking maybe next tuesday what if we do the show live from Santa anita if there's some breeders cup people around maybe we can grab a couple guests maybe we'll look into that
1: yeah, we can talk about it. I'm doing um, breakfast with the works for the Breeders Cup show, so I'll be there every single day broadcasting until 10:30.
2: Perfect. Maybe we do Just that next Tuesday. That in mind. All right. We'll do it. We'll do okay. a a a, a...
1: Oh, maybe we can do like a Facebook live video or something like that while we're doing it. Maybe
2: we can. Look at us getting all technologically uh, savvy. You've been listening to the horse.
1: That's as far as I can go there, Billy.
2: (laughs) This is the horse ownership experience. Thank you to everybody. Thanks to everybody who's downloading the show and all the guys who listen on a regular basis and and text me during the show, which is always fun. Uh, Michelle, you're the best. I will see you at the racetrack this weekend, and we will see the rest of you next Tuesday.
0: You are listening to The Horse Ownership Experience with Billy Koch and Michelle Yu right here on LA Talk Radio. into overdrive california chrome wins the dubai world cup one of the greatest performances you'll ever see chrome turns to gold